and welcome to another episode of Pep Talk, the persuasive evangelism podcast. I am Andy Bannister uh, from Solas, and I'm joined as ever by uh, my evervescent co-host, Christy Mayer from Oak Hill College in London. Christy, how are you doing today? Doing all right. Thank you very much, Andy. I'm effervescently fine. Thank you. I always try and find a long <laughs> adjective to describe you. Well, we're excited to be joined uh, by an old friend of Solas and uh, someone who's been around the Christian world, certainly in Scotland, for many, many years. Thrilled to be joined by Sir Brian Souter. Brian, welcome uh, to Pep Talk. Thank you. Now, Brian, everyone knows of, of you, or lots of people know of you because of your public persona. You've been involved in business for years, famously set up and ran Stagecoach for many years, all kinds of business interests, very public profile. But also you've got the, the, the Christian side of your life too. Those worlds aren't separate, but also very actively involved in, in ministry and church and, and supporting ministries over the years. But I suppose a great question, Brian, to begin with is how did your faith journey start for you? The story of your business journey is well known. It's in the public arena. But where did faith in Christ begin for you? Was that in childhood? Was that in adulthood? How did you come to, to first uh, encounter the Christ? Yeah, well, I was I was brought up in a, a Christian home. Um, my mother should really have been a nun. I mean, she was never away from the church. She was the organist and she, she took me to church um, Monday night to the women's meeting, you know, Wednesday night to the prayer meeting. She ran a club on a Friday. There was a deputation meeting on a Saturday night. She played the piano for that. And she played the organ on a Sunday and she led Sunday school. So um, if anyone should have been um, overexposed to the gospel and and been scunnered by it, to use a Scots word, um, it it, it would be me. Um, But the funny thing about all of this is that... um, through all of that, there was a there was a couple of things came across me. One was that um, that there was something different about our family, and something different about the way we lived our life. We lived in a big council housing estate, and I realised from quite an early age that actually what was different was that Jesus Christ was part of our life, and that was a real a a, a very um, you know, a real experience for us as a family. So I, as a young child, I used to go along, listen to the gospel all the time, and I began to understand what my my personal need for a saviour was. And um, actually, it was just a, in a simple prayer. One night, I uh, after church, when we came home, I actually, I, I was 10-year-old, and I said to my mother, um, I, I want to become a Christian. And she prayed with me. And uh, so I was just, I, I didn't understand all the theology behind it. But I, I remember the joy of, of feeling that forgiveness and, and knowing that Jesus Christ was my savior. And, you know, it's been, uh, it's been an interesting journey since that. And in my teenage years, I, I had to work out um, the kind of, intellectual aspect of Christianity but when you've got an experience with Jesus Christ and it's a reality in your life then the intellectual part of it just follows quite naturally after it in my view and and during my teenage years I had to make a decision whether you know how serious I was about this Christian commitment because it meant I was going to have to live my life quite differently from 
from the rest of my peer group or whatever. And um, and so at that point, I kind of re, reaffirmed that uh, that's that for me was what I wanted to do. And that was the time when I looked around, saw how other people's lives were in our house and estate and realized that my mother and father, no, this actually really does work for us. It's it's This isn't just a ritual we go through. This is a reality. And just rounding off on that, I mean, I... Um, my mother was a big influence on us. I, me- I remember one Christmas Eve, she trailed us up to the poorest part of the town and she said, now we've got something to do now uh, before we have our Christmas. And she took a whole lot of gifts to this woman that was looking after a couple of kids, an old woman that was looking after a couple of children. And um, and, and I realised this is the outliving of the Christian message. And she was also a great one for spreading the gospel. She wasn't ashamed of her faith and um, that sometimes I found a bit embarrassing as a small child because she was, you know, she would get really blessed up. And I remember one day we're we're, at, we're going to get the bus down the town, and she's we're on the bus and we're in the seat in the bus that's facing everybody else, and she's singing. Um, what a friend we have in Jesus and like I'm thinking I wish she would be quiet you know this is really embarrassing and I'm thinking if she keeps doing this the only friend I'll have is Jesus because nothing else will have anything to do with us so but actually it was was a very rich and amazing experience as a childhood and I'm very grateful for my mother's influence at the end of all that. Hmm. Sounds like an incredible woman, Brian, and um, praise the Lord for her wonderful example in your life. Like, what has that looked like for you as you've continued to to share your faith? And um, how has she set an example for you? And what does that look like for you now in the world of work? Well, I think there's I think there's a few things. I mean, my father was probably the person that taught us most about business. Um, my father was quite an interesting character as well. He was a bus driver, but he had a whole lot of other business interests. But for, for my mother, I mean, I do believe that the fact we have a cha- I have a cha- we have a charitable trust, Suter Charitable Trust, and my sister's involvement in Mercy Ships, I do credit that to my mother's influence in her life. She was obsessive about evangelism and missions. And when she died, we went through all her stuff and we found cases from the 1950s and 60s and 70s. And they were full of receipts from missionary societies and and and, and things that she'd supported, you know. Mm. And um, so I think we had a very good role model there about mm. that. And the funny thing about it is, you know, we'd been able to continue that legacy but with with the blessings that we've had, we've been able to do do I don't say I don't to use the word do more, but because what she did was amazing, and we all know the story of the widow's might. But what we learned was that that what we have is a stewardship from God, mm. and that we're responsible for that stewardship. And so, you know, we, we also learned from our mother that there is great joy in in giving, and that um, that. That's the main reason that we have that stewardship and that, you know, when we're obedient to the things that God's asking us to support, then we get enormous sense of joy and satisfaction. So I've, I've learned, first of all, on the business front, that it, I mean, I, I would confess and say that I enjoy making money. I don't enjoy it for what it does or what it can do or what I want to spend it in that, right? But I just like the deal and I get a kick out of doing a deal. That's part of my metabolism and my makeup, right? But then I learned something else. If, if you then take that money and you cycle it into God's work, 
then the the blessing you get from that and the feeling you get that's totally different from doing a business deal, but you get an enormous sense of satisfaction and fulfillment and privilege that you've been able to partner with mm. some amazing people to spread the gospel. I love the fact that you told the story of the widow's might there, Brian, because you know we've got we've got two young kids, we've got an eight year old and eleven year old, and one of the things we're trying to do even with them is start that principle of going from the little that you have, give a little bit away, and to go seeing their faces light up when they hear back from causes they've they, they've supported. You know, they mentioned mercy ships. Actually, that's one my kids really like because the the stories are so powerful. But then I'm also struck by I think it was I think it was one of the Wesleys, possibly John Wesley, who said, you know, it's the duty of every Christian to work as hard as he can, to make as much money as he can, so he can give away as much as you can so in a sense you also demonstrate what that's like with christians working the higher end in business and it's been really encouraging to see how you've used how the lord has you know blessed you but brian the other thing as well that strikes me about you what i like about when i've watched you in action you're also someone who does the business you don't just give the money away you also do ministry i was telling christy i was very struck by when i turned up at that event at your church about this time last year and i, I was here to see, i said i was here to see brian and then i directed me over to where you and betty were busy serving the soup um so how does how does practically doing ministry look like for, for you how do you you personally share your your faith with with friends with those the lord brings across your path i say i'm very encouraged by someone like you who doesn't just fund evangelism you also in your own way go about it how has that worked for you over the years because obviously people look at you and see the business leader but also that business leader has to then find a way to also explain what looks different to them because of christ how have how have you done that over over the years have you got any sort of advice tips stories that you can share well i think i think the first thing is is that um Obviously, our stewardship is not only of the money we've got because that, mm. you know, if we're ever in, ever in, endowed with a bit of wealth, that can be the easiest part of it. But we're also stewards of our time. And so I think it's really important that we're involved in the local church and in, involved in And I've, my wife is also very passionate about evangelism. And a lot of the initiatives that we've done have actually been things that Betty has had ideas about and we've taken the initiatives and, and done them. One of the things that we realized um, about 25 years ago when we were a, a approached by Nicky Gumbel and the team at Alpha, that time Alpha was just run by HTB. And we, we just realized that the world is changing and, you know, r- running a church service and expecting people to come in and, um, you know, hear the gospel, well, we'll continue to do that. It's not really the most effective way of winning people. So um, we're, we're very convinced, both of us, that friendship evangelism is the best way to win people to Christ. And um, I think the Alpha is a great example, or Christianity Explored are great examples of friendship evangelism. And some of the things that we've tried to do at the church with uh, actually been with our house group, believe it or not, uh, it was our house group that f- that founded the Tea Time Trinity concept. Um, and it started as, as it was called the Philos meal, which Philos means friendship, as you know. And so we, we did it partly because some people were lonely, but also because we felt this is a way we can get people to come to church. So what we've got is we've got, you know, 40, 50 people coming to these events that actually don't go to church, but they'll come along to an event. And um, 
I think that you've got to always be rethinking how we're going to share the gospel with people. And I think it's also important to develop new friendships in your life. Um, and a lot of the stuff is, is just hard work, isn't it? Because sometimes it's easy just to cocoon yourself with your comfort friendships and just leave it at that. But we've, we've always had friendships out with the church and we've always tried to encourage these folks and share our testimony with them and encourage them to come along to events and, and to hear the gospel. And, um, you know, I, I, I just think, for me, I think that's, that's part of the Great Commission to go and preach the gospel. I think, you know, sometimes it involves being in a pulpit and sharing the gospel. Years ago, I was in a gospel band when that was the kind of new ministry. And um, that was quite interesting because some people really didn't like that, didn't approve it. I thought it was the devil's music and all that stuff. And But we were actually um, singing in prisons, singing to big concerts of young people on a Saturday night that you would never going to get to the church on the Sunday. And I just think that it's really important that each one of us interprets this in our own way. I'm not mm. saying there's a, a problem with that, that we continue to have a lifestyle that involves reaching other people. Mm. And I think that can be personal. I think it can be corporate through, mm. through the church. And I, I think it can... I think in the in the 21st century, it's probably going to have to be more unconventional and a, and a bit more friendship evangelism than what's been yeah. in the past. That's such an encouragement to to hear that, Brian. Especially because in terms of your work life, you're obviously very busy. And I think one of the things that um, I think about myself and and friends that that stops us making new friends is the question of I don't have enough time. How do I how how do I possibly do this? And what what would you what would you say to those you know as a busy person yourself? How do you make time not just kind of for church and outreach events, but for making new friendships or for um, developing friendships in in work or elsewhere? Like how do you actually what does this look like for you practically to to make time for friendship evangelism? Yeah, well, says I don't. I know that sometimes in life we've got different silos or whatever. Um, I mean, I, th I mean, for instance, at, at the type of of these um, friendship evangelism outreach events, I think it's really important to spend time speaking to other people that have come in and get to know them. And if when when we were young, our ministry was that we had a we had a, a kids club in Perth, and when we go down the street now, we still meet grown-up people that were at the kids' club and they'll talk to us in the supermarket or whatever. Your life should always be interacting with other people. And so when you've got young children like we had at that time, our way of doing that was through the children's club and then reaching the parents that would come on a trip and go to a sports day or whatever. So that was how – so, you know, we, we developed these these friendships. And, and I say we still would, would meet them, and, and some of them still come to church sometimes if we've got events or, or things on in the church. You know, if they, if they if there's a special or whatever, right? I, I think in your business life, the important thing is is to be open and consistent. And most people in in the business world know of of uh, our Christian faith and commitment. So um, you get an opportunity through that sometimes to share your faith. I think it's very important not to kind of like 
ram that down people's throats. Mm. And I think in the workplace situation, you have to respect people's mm. privacy and space and all the rest of it. And so you're, you you would never, um, you know, you, uh, exploit your position as an employer or whatever to, to, to try to, uh, you know, lean on someone to 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 come to faith but at the same time it's also important to give people an opportunity to invite them to things and if if they like to come it's great you know yeah. I, I think in personal terms what what we've always tried to do is we've always and sometimes this is done starting through the business contacts but now that we're now that we've got a bit more leisure time, <laughs> we're sometimes meeting new friends when we're when we're actually because once once you get to our time in life, you get a bit more leisure time. Mm. But the most recent friends we made actually were on a were on a, a holiday in the Nile, and they were Lebanese people, and they're really really interesting people. That we discovered that they lived in Dubai, and we discovered that our house was on the same part of the front in Dubai and so we developed a relationship with them and you know they haven't come to church yet but you know they're really interested and they're really a super couple and they would describe themselves as as Marianite Catholic Christians um, but they kind of drifted away from it a bit you know what I mean um, and so that's kind of that's a kind of up to date kind of these are people but this guy I don't know if I share this but this, this guy told me an amazing story so he's, he's doing business in Dubai. And I know we've all heard these stories coming out of the Iranian church, right? Mm. Okay. Um, and sometimes a wee bit of an echo chamber and the story gets replicated. But this, so I'm, I'm speaking to this new friend, Fadi, and I'm, I'm talking about Christian faith. And he said, oh, he said, I had a really interesting experience, he said, two months ago. He said, I, I went to do business with a Saudi guy. And when I went in, because Fadi is a Christian and a Muslim name, um, he, he, he said to me, can I ask you a question before we start? And he said to Fadi, um, are you um, a Christian or a Muslim? And Fadi says to him, um, because he knew he was Lebanese, and Lebanese can be both. And so he said to him, Fadi said to him, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. And the guy closed the door over and he said, he said, I want to just share this with you. He said, he said, I, I had a vision of Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm now a believer. And he said, but I can't tell my family about it. He said, and my wife and my daughter have also had different manifestations. He said, and we are all believers in Jesus Christ. And he said, we still occasionally go to the mosque. He said, and we can't tell our family or they cut us off completely. I was just like cobsmacked by this story from this guy you know I mean this stuff is really really happening across the Middle East just now and it was funny because Fadi's wife said to us isn't it strange how Jesus is appearing to the Muslims and he's not appearing to us you know but they are, this this is uh, fascinating I'm, I'm probably a complete tangent on this but I was just I just made the point when you when you make new friends mm. You get new experiences, and it can bless and enrich you in yeah. just amazing ways. Actually, Brian, I don't think it's a tangent at all. And actually, because we've we've gone past twenty minutes, I think it's a great place actually to to wind wind it up. Because what I, what so encourages me was I think you've modelled there. You know how okay as seasons of life change, workplace, retirement 
but that common thread that you and, and Betty have, have found, reach out, you know, befriend people, build those friendships and see what God does through them. And we, we mustn't go down the rabbit trail of, of the witness thing, of, of the visions thing, because I have so many former Muslim friends, actually, who have had experiences of Jesus uh, appearing uh, to them. So just I, every time I hear those stories, I get excited because there's another one uh, that God is God is doing something. So let's be open to reaching out that God calls who that to those God calls across our path. Brian, it's been an absolute pleasure. I wish we had double the time because there's so many other things I'd love to ask. But uh, thank you for making the time to be with us on, a, on Pep Talk. And I hope that what people have heard has encouraged and excited people to, to really just reach out to those around you, build those friendships, look for unusual ways to share the gospel and, uh, and be transparent in our faith. Brian, once again, thank you for being with us. Thank you. And and uh, thank you, sir. Appreciate all the work you guys do at Solace as well. Thank you. Bless you. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, wherever you're catching this podcast, in the car, on a run, on your sofa. Uh, Christy and I will be back in two weeks' time with another guest, another story. And uh, so catch us again on a future episode of Pep Talk. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.